Hello, Playdate. This is Don. This is Nick. And I'm Ryan. This week we are covering Playdate news. Recent indie releases. And getting Tochir and Jeer, our Pixel Panel Pick of the Week. Very cryptic. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So we, we have some corrections from uh, from last week. Last All week right. we reviewed... Oh, last week. Last episode we reviewed uh, Post Hero by Scenic Route Software. And immediately, the day after, uh, Steve <laughs> over at Scenic Route Software listened to the show and corrected our review... Uh, tirade on the on the episode so if you listen to the last episode here are some um notes i don't think any of this is spoilers i looked at it uh when i copied it last week i don't think there were any spoiler stuff in here so you're good to hear this so correct there is no crank involved in the game the 1.0.0 release allowed you to press a to dismiss dismiss dialogue that's something that the controls are something we went back and forth on button mashing lunatics were prematurely Somebody's cursor's in the way. We're prematurely dismissing subsequent dialogue boxes, so I changed it to dismiss with B to prevent that. This is also responsible for Don missing all your deliveries are done dialogue. So, yeah, I was hitting the button too much, um, but he fixed it with an update. So what I get from that is the thinly veiled reference to Don being a button mashing lunatic. That's what I got. Yeah, I read very fast. I, I hit eight. I want to get to the end of the dialogue. Soak it all in at once. Okay. Um, adding the inventory as a menu option was considered early on, but he didn't like it. Literally everyone complains about having to use the crank for anything. So that wasn't an option for the inventory <laughs> either. That's fair enough. You're yeah. not a dick, Nick. It's uh, up for debate. Um, I drew so much stuff for this game. I cannot believe you called me out for not seeing the mailman's butt when he's walking up, Nick. <laughs> That said, Wilco does support this, and the main character in the Whiteout, which is the next game from Scenic Route Software, or at least a future adventure game, um, which uses Wilco, does face away and towards. So, not just left and right. Butts um, in the next title. Fuyu. Yes, butts incoming. It turns out we all played different releases of the game. So, there were an embarrassing number of patches. Nick's version had a bug with the QR code view that is fixed in 1.1.3. And then he introduced something else, a different bug in 1.1.2. Ryan played the version with the broken mail gnome. Oh, no wonder Ryan didn't work. Okay. So that's that's understandable. We played a very early version. So I don't I haven't seen any updates in the past two weeks, though. I don't think. So we should be good to go now. Um, he loves text parser games. They taught him how to type when he was a kid. The issue that I mentioned with running and accidentally going into a door when you stop running is fixed. I consider not clearing state on a finished game and letting you walk around after the end for additional jokes, but he worked on this for a long time and he just wanted to get the game done. And then he is working on a, I think he did actually patch this he in a percentage this. thing. Yeah. yeah, he released this this patch. Um, there, it, it does show a percentage or something next to your save files. So that is now done. I have not uh, booted the game up, so I have not seen that patch yet. Thanks for that all the information. So, and yeah. yeah. Sorry that uh, we didn't think to ask each other which versions we were running. That probably would have been a smart <laughs> no. thing to do. Maybe we'll do that for future games. <laughs> yeah. So again, if anybody missed the wrap up from last time, we loved it. We really enjoyed Post Hero. <laughs> and sorry if our review did not 
communicate that soon enough. There was a little, uh, we, we got lost in the weeds real fast on that one. I'm not sure why. We'll try to avoid that moving into the future. But I, I'm going to say it was my fault. Scenic Route yeah. Software. Yeah, we'll blame Nick. In the meantime, Scenic Route Software, um, thanks for writing us with all that thorough review on our review. <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know. Was there anything else you guys wanted to wrap up on this particular segment? Thank you for emphasizing that we we liked it. Yeah. I guess coming in yeah. with a bunch of corrections is not, not a strong suit. But yes, we did all enjoy the game. Okay. Yes. Well, I think that wraps it up. Corrections from Scenic Route Software, which means we are ready for our news and notes section. All right. News and notes. I just wanted to point out uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to the Playdate Wiki. There was a call on the uh, Playdate Squad Discord for everybody to kind of help out with the wiki. And I looked at like the wiki history. And yeah, there's basically only two people uh, adding <laughs> stuff to that and updating whatnot. And a lot of pages were a little bit out of date. So it's really easy to update stuff. I actually added stuff and I am terrible at doing anything with computers. Even real or not real, but the other Wikipedia I cannot figure out how to work that, but I did figure out how to work this. So it's very simple to use. But uh, again, link in the show notes, get in there and uh, update. If you're a dev, update your game stuff in there. If you're a fan uh, and you have information, throw it in there. Let's all come together and support the uh, wiki. It's a great resource. So Don, before you blaze through the rest of your news and notes for this episode, uh, yes. can you can you just like hold Grandpa Ryan's hand here for a minute and talk to me about this wiki? Like, what's what's the point of making this or doing this, or why would I want to go there? Is it like information on a game or the playdate itself, or like all of the above? Or all, yeah, all of the above. Every it's information on every playdate game and mm-hmm. the playdate. It's like an encyclopedia uh, playdate. Okay, cool. An omnibus for the playdate. Hmm. So you get in there, you can look at applications, games, every game for the playdate that has information is in here. There's probably hundreds in here. I was going to say. And and links and all kinds of stuff. A lot of games, if you look through all those itch releases. Mm -hmm. Huh, cool. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff in here. Well, no wonder they need more than two people to update this thing. (laughs) Right, yeah. A lot of really helpful uh, links to different uh, development sites and even just stuff like this, just Twitters and subreddits and whatnot. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop, but it can be even more so if everybody gets in there and keeps it up to date. So do they have the important stuff like uh, podcast dedicated to uh-huh. the Playdate? <laughs> I don't know if we're on there. Awesome Playdate, a list oh. of Playdate links and resources. Maybe we're in there. Okay. Somebody fix that, please. Someone like you, sounds Ryan, like, you can handle that. Like job, yeah. That sounds like it's above my pay grade. Uh, I'm sorry. Above zero. So maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, one, of the quick note, one of the quick note from me. Uh, this is exciting. There, the Playdate Bunny Bundle has been launched. It is 14 games for $25. Hmm. Good for the next three weeks. And yeah, it's a lot of great games. A lot of them we've talked about here. Stuff like Cat World, Greed, Life's Too Short, uh, the Christmas version, Code Word Play, Factory Farming, Spike 2, Crank Jim, Dungeons and Doggos, Soothsayer, Crop Buster, 
Check. I mean, there's a bunch of other games in there. And there's a free easing that uh, Zanya Lasagna put together in there. Oh, man. I, mm-hmm. That sells me already. If you've not seen Zanya Lasagna's easings before, they're really well done. Quite a thorough. Uh, awesome. I, and a bunch of these games are way more than a couple bucks a piece. This sounds like a steal of a deal. Yes. They're usually It's usually about $44 if you bought all these piecemeal. But uh, you get all this for $25. So 40% off. You got three weeks left, but pretend you had three hours left. Get on it right now and hit the buy button. There'll be a link in the show notes. I love how these devs get together and bundle up and mm-hmm. give all of us, you know, players uh, a really great deal. It seems like these bundles come up surprisingly often. Uh, at least they have in this first year. So thank you, devs, for doing this. And it's not the same games every time. Yeah. It's like new yeah. stuff. So it's very cool. Totally. Right on. Uh, I've got a news and notes. Uh, I got a Playdate stand. I don't know if this is news and noteworthy, but I was cruising around for a stand to hold my Playdate because I, uh, I, I changed office locations. My home office got relocated to the basement and I'm trying to clean things up and display things nicely. And so I hopped on Etsy and found this stand. It's a 3D printed stand. And uh, I'd say it has some mixed qualities about it. It's It holds the Playdate well, uh, it's sturdy. It will hold it even if you have the uh, original Panic cover, uh, it still displays it nicely. Um, there's a built-in notch for the charging cord. So even when it's sitting there in the stand, you can plug it in and have it charging. So that's really nice. Um, however, the uh, minor quibbles I have with it is that uh, you can you can get it in a few colors. That's not a quibble. That's great. Uh, I think it was like black, gray, and purple, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so I thought, well, of course I'm getting purple because it's the, the play date and I want it to match this uh, cover that I have. Well, it's not quite the purple of that. This is like my, my artist wine, right? Um, I was, I was very impressed with Ledbetter's, uh, you know, grip that he made for the play date and not only in the comfort, but also the color match of the purple that it came in. So I'm like, okay, well, this must be the purple resin that everyone's using. That is not the case. The stand that I got, I'd say it has more of a red tone to the purple, whereas the panic cover has more of a blue tone to the purple. So they eh, clash a little bit. Uh, So that's one of my minor moans. Uh, It's also 3D printed and it's, printed in a mildly questionable way. And let me try to uh, clarify that in a couple ways. First, the resolution of the print is made up of like some noticeable striations and, you know, like spaghetti strings. I'm not sure how else to describe them. I'm not a 3D printer. But uh, when I received it, some of those spaghetti strings were like coming off. And I thought, okay, no big deal. I'll just, you know, give it a quick rip and then uh, they'll be gone. Well, 
then additional spaghetti strings started coming off and I got a little worried. Um, but again, I, I cut those off and now it seems to be fine. But uh, those are my my minor quibbles about this. But, you know, for for the price, it displays it nicely. It allows you to charge it while it's sitting there looking pretty. Um, and hey, we'll include a link to this in the show notes. It's from an Etsy uh, seller that was out of the country. But despite that, it arrived surprisingly fast. Uh, I think I got it in maybe a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. So anyway, a uh, little product review there for your do's and notes for today. Just to offer some explanation, um, I guess the spaghetti strings, that's kind of the difference between a printer that costs a couple hundred bucks and a thousand or more dollars. So it's just part of the... It- it can also just printers. be a configuration or setup issue, not quite level, or, you know, there's a few different reasons that the spaghetti strings can occur. Um, but maybe yeah, the it sounds in like, the room. yeah, maybe, maybe some sanding would, would help. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well, anyhow, we've probably, I, talked yeah, about I would it. probably cut it off with just some snips or something. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I worry about that. Came to that. It came to that yeah. conclusion eventually <laughs> and uh and the filament's been uh challenging to source through covid from oh really even even the same color from the same source huh can get challenging just to source so mm. maybe you had the right color and no longer is able to get it right now or this or that so kind of take what you can get but uh yeah it's a bummer it wasn't exactly the same interesting well but cool good heads up yeah no sweat. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check it out again, link in the show notes. So that brings us to our indie inventory. Don, take it away. Uh, just a reminder to review the games we mentioned here. And I wanted to tell you guys, we got a review on iTunes, but it's not what? the American iTunes. What? It's uh, from Canada. <laughs> we subscribed to a, like a update thing. And it said that we got a review, Pfizer review, keep crushing it. Of an unreadable username in Canada. So thank you for that. Oh, that's uh, very yeah, nice. If you want to throw thank us a you. review on whatever you're listening to, yeah, great. Thank you. But nice. go ahead, re- review games on uh, itch as well. Hey, uh, did you guys know that we were crushing it? I didn't know that this thing it's that we did to was me. totally crushing it. That's cool. <laughs> I'm glad moved to know. It to the news section. Yeah. <laughs> Next episode. But uh, I won't be here because oh. this is my last episode, as always. I got all excited. <laughs> Still excited. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, Ryan. <laughs> Let's so, hear about the inventory, Don. Yes. I typically don't discuss demos, alphas, that kind of thing on Indie Inventory, but I've been really looking forward to this game, Cranky Driller by Playdate mm-hmm. Steven. And this demo works really well. There's a free demo up on itch. There'll be a link in the show notes. It works really well, and it uh, it's pretty full featured. I don't know, like I I'm sure he'll add more stuff to the full game, but it's definitely worth trying. It's basically a lot like Mister Driller, but you're working on a sphere, uh, not a sphere, a cylinder. cylinder. Yeah. yeah, a cylinder. So you crank, you hold it sideways, and you crank to move side to side. And I think oh, I played it the other day. I think you push down to drill. Yeah, no, I didn't. 
I didn't even put that together that you hold it sideways from looking at these uh, GIFs, but yeah, they are vertical, not horizontal. Interesting. That's really cool, especially for the drilling motion. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can I can see where it will get future updates because it's a little easy in a way. Like I, When things would fall on me, they wouldn't always kill me. In most cases, they wouldn't kill me if something fell on me. And it was more that I was just chasing the high score for running out of oxygen more than getting crushed. But uh, I'm sure that's something that's coming in time. And again, this is just a demo. So check it out. It's even got hints and tips for the demo. Yeah, the wow. That looks super promising. Awesome. Thanks for highlighting this, Don. Well worth a look. Um, another one just came out from Cool Lemon Club. Love that name. The Keeper. <laughs> this is a little adventure game. Your, I think your Ooh. grandfather, your uncle or something, uh, died and left you a hotel. Or not a hotel, a uh, apartment building. And you have to go around the building and find all the keys. So, yeah, you. That, that's it. You run around the hotel, you find keys, and explore it's really fun i played uh quite a bit but you can't save you can put your playdate into like uh, rest mode but you can't save so you gotta play through the whole game in one shot so i gotta go back and start over and finish it very cute though worth a look 299 hmm. and then last up from nevin nevin mergen huh. uh this one is two dollars it is called or excuse me it's name your own price this is called i was dead but and the idea is you are dead and people are holding a seance at your house and the goal is to get rid of them so that you can go back to resting. You were dead, but these people interrupted your rest with this seance. So, so it's I very guess, funny. I guess Nevin was really bummed that he wasn't part of the Demon Slayer 85 uh, team. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Sort of. Um, I played through this one in one shot. It's pretty short. You can play through it in probably 20 minutes or something, maybe a little less than that. Um, But yeah, it's very, one of the, one of the most clever things is that you as a ghost, the colors are inverted. So when characters are talking, it's a black background with white text, but when you're talking, it's a white background with black text. Oh, that's interesting. So it changes back and forth. I really liked um, how that worked. That's a nice visual cue. And I forgot to mention this: the soundtrack for this is available, but the soundtrack for the Keeper is really good. So mm. I don't know okay. if that's available, but it's uh, good is, to listen to when you're playing. Nick, is there a planned Hotel Dusk Keeper crossover? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, if we ever get deeper into the Keeper, there's I don't know. There's something a little salacious going on. It's probably, I don't know. It reminded me of a Netflix documentary or something. So, okay. I don't know. A little worse than Hotel Dusk, maybe, but we'll see. Gotcha. Anyway, three great games this week. Yeah. Love it. Nice. Thanks for rounding those up, Don. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess that means we've come to <laughs> Pixel Panel. And this week, we are featuring. The Lush's Land. Now, if you didn't get the subtle reference at the top of the episode, this is a spiritual successor to Tochi and Tochi 2, Senchi. And I was uh, in conversation with the dev about this, and he wanted me to make sure that I told everybody that this is not Tochi 3, that this is sort of a a spinoff, he said. This feels very much to me 
as a Tochi fan, like a follow-up to Tochi. Uh, I, this is like in my mind, Tochi three, I'm sorry, uh, SN studios. That's, that's, those are my feelings, but, uh, let's talk about the game a little bit. And as usual, I will try to steer clear of, uh, spoilers for a little bit. And as we start getting spoily, uh, we'll, we'll throw some boops in here, let you know that seemed to be well-received last time. So, um, this game, The Lush's Land, you are a little slime and you are cruising around a landscape um, looking for three gems. And this gem is going to allow you to, or these three gems are going to allow you to get off the island. So uh, there is a lot of overworld to explore. There are a number of dungeons to explore. And all of these locations feel much larger in scope than Tochi or Tochi 2. This feels like, I, I feel like as a player, I've been able to watch S SN Studios grow as they create each one of these games. Each game is complete, but uh, each one kind of expands on what the previous game did. So uh, this already has me looking forward to the possibility of them making a fourth Tochi, not a fourth Tochi, but you know, the next series, <laughs> next in the series, next spinoff, next Tochi, what have you. Um, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, um, <laughs> what I can say without spoiling. Uh, I, I thought this was really graphically interesting to see how they're pushing the pulp limitations with like new characters and new environments. It's not just reusing the same old, Tochi sprites over and over again. It, it felt new. Um, and let's see what else. I, I think I think each of us had a little difficulty getting into this game. And we, we might need to sound the spoiler boop here as we start getting into our experiences. Um, but with that said, I think there were some really great things about this game. I think there were some Personally, I think there were some kind of awkward parts of this game that I'd like to discuss. And I'd also like to offer some suggestions for what I viewed as some of those awkward parts. Um, but overall, before we get into any of that, I want to say that I really enjoyed the third installment in this Tochi series. So let me step back for a little bit, sound a little uh, spoiler boop, boop, uh, and let's get into it, guys. Don and Nick, what did you think about uh, the Lush's Land. I keep wanting to say Tochi 3. Stop me from saying that. <laughs> Nick? Uh, yeah, so uh, artwork I thought was um, cool. Everything was distinct. There were a couple of sprites which were um, black with no edging. So it was a little more difficult to distinguish what they were. Um, specifically, I'm speaking about like birds which you're hanging out. Uh, did you all see those? I didn't notice that. I'm struggling to think of it. I'll, I'll try to pop it on here and look around. Okay, anyway, okay. go on, Nick. Um, so uh, the uh, sound, the, the music in the game was really cool. I enjoyed uh, all of it, actually. I thought it was uh, really neat and uh, furthered the, the, the sense of this kind of epic... Playdate pulp adventure. Um, 
the scope of the game, the size of the overworld was also very impressive. Um, I was surprised at how large some of the environments were. Um, it was reminiscent of some of the larger pulp games that I've played. Um, being able to to move freely between overworld and dungeon and uh, mouse hole and you know different areas um, was pretty impressive. Uh, the dedicated health bar uh, was a neat touch as well. Uh, so I guess I should say I don't have the benefit of having played any of the other games that SN Studios has made. So this is kind of my introduction to the Tochi verse, as uh, Ryan likes to call it. Um, but uh, other than that, um, you know, combat made sense. Um, being able to use items after a moment made sense. Um, all those things, you know, uh, worked out. The puzzles were uh, relatively straightforward, except for one of them that we'll talk about soon. But uh, Don, what did you think overall? Um, I, I guess I'll go through pros and cons kind of at once because I, you guys finished the game and I did not. So most of this will be you guys chatting about it, which is fine. Um, I love the, the artwork was a huge plus for me. It was really inviting. It was really fun to jump into and everything was really crisp and, uh, charming. The character sprites really charming. I like the sort of Mega Man aesthetic of the menus or the, uh, I don't know if it's, what would you call it, the UI, I guess? Like the sidebars? You always have these sidebars that I thought would be a little claustrophobic, but I think it just framed the the gameplay area really well mm-hmm. uh, when you're playing. Yeah. It just made it feel really comfortable when you're moving around. Um, I really, I love that. I liked hopping into the, once we, once we found the temple, I liked hopping in there and uh, searching around. I didn't. I like that it wasn't. Didn't feel as punishing as the Tochi games. I felt those to be more difficult. And again, I didn't finish this one. Maybe it does ramp up to like sort of as difficult as Tochi was. But I remember in Tochi, uh, just dying and uh, dying a lot more often, even in that those first areas. This one was a lot. Maybe a lot more readable. Like it was obvious, okay, these spikes have this pattern and then you can move past them. Whereas in Tochi, I was like, ah, what am I doing wrong here? Or I can't make it past it or whatever. Um, I didn't need the same type of elite gamer skills that you would need to play through Tochi. <laughs> um, I love how the dungeons are set up. Like just the aesthetic of the whole thing, I really, really liked. And it made me just want to jump in there and play it. So I, I, I jumped in there several times this week. You mentioned the uh, health bar and I really liked that. Um, getting into why I didn't play through it more. Um, oh, and I did want to mention, I don't think we mentioned the campfires. I think that's really cool that to having somewhat of an open world or an overworld, I should say, and having these campfires, that you can kind of choose your starting point when you do die was a really good idea. So you don't have to, you know, uh, slog your way through here or there or whatever, or start in the same area at least over and over you can kind of choose which campfire you start out. I thought that was a really cool idea. So um, it still though felt, it still has these sort of like NES era uh, trappings where, okay, you died, you got to go back and do it again. Um, Even after I finished, I finished, well, we all had issues with save progress. 
which I assume is being um, fixed at some point. But we all lost saves here and there or lost progress. And after a couple times, that became a bit of a downer where it's something that we kept trying to revisit for the podcast. So I wanted to make more progress, but it sort of took the wind out of my sails. And it was like, okay, I've done this a couple times. I just don't want to keep doing it. Um, another thing was some of the visuals in the dungeons, as clear as they are, they all are almost all looked like dangerous items. Like there's mm-hmm. sort of like rocks that look like spikes. And so I was always avoiding yep. them. Same. And then there's like these throwing star looking things. And I was always avoiding those. I guess maybe those are spider webs or something. Yeah, I, I was hoping to bring those up to the uh, spiky rock slash throwing star things. I was doing the same thing you mentioned, avoiding them. And then at one point I mistakenly went over it and nothing happened. And yeah. so I was really confused. <laughs> like, well, what are these things then? Um, spider web sounds as good a guess to me, but I, I did not understand those either. Nick figured it out quicker than I did because I could see a chest that we were supposed to reach, but I was like, no, the spiky things in the way I can't reach it. But mm. the spiky thing we can touch without it hurting us. So I could have just walked past it and got the chest, which we had to get to progress the game. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I would have just kept turning around uh, thinking that it was going to kill me. So um, maybe if it was um, a friendlier shape or not there, I would have been more interested. I did like how the game, the game screen shakes and makes a violent noise when you attack something. And I thought it was really cool the first like hundred times, but then it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm tired of smacking pots and rocks and the whole screen shakes. Yeah. And that was like very that dramatic. Was one of, that was one That's, of my, I have a, a petty gripe section okay. <laughs> in my notes yeah. here. Yeah. That was I, one of I, mine that the screen shakes felt like they lasted forever. Yeah. I felt like it was like a, a literally three whole seconds of screen shaking every time I smashed something. Yeah. Uh, and, and that got a little much for me. I would have pulled that back, you know, it's a cool effect or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would have left it only for when you got hurt. Yeah. Um, rather than when you're hurting, when you get hurt or, or maybe it's pots. like one second or half a second when you bam something or I don't know. It, it just, yeah, there, there's limitations that might have made that animation take the length of time that it did. Uh, and, wow. you know, that that's one of my petty gripes, too. But uh, so there might not have been fine control over how long that lasted. But uh, yeah. but yeah, the frequency was definitely something that I would have pulled back, I think. And then there was usually nothing in the pots or rocks either. So <laughs> I, and then I was like, never, okay, I'm yeah. just going to avoid all these as best, best I can. And that kind of, yeah. once I started doing that, it kind of scaled back the amount of shaking anyway. So yeah. Uh, so let's, okay. so let's talk about pots. Let's talk about pots, baby. <laughs> right. um, so we've got these vessels. They are littered all over the game. So if we haven't made this clear, this is sort of like a legend of Zelda type game where you've got, uh, an overhead view and you're exploring overworld and dungeons both, uh, which I think is super cool. I love mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda. I like the Tochi games too. I like this game as well, but let's talk about some of these somewhat awkward portions and the pots are one of them. So you start out on a screen that has a few pots and you have a sword. So of course you're going to try it out, bam the pot, away it goes, nothing's there. 
they're on almost every screen. And so I'm thinking, well, one of these vessels must contain something. None of them contain anything. And that was pretty disappointing to me. Um, I even confirmed this with the dev today. That was one of my questions. Did I miss a vessel that contained something? And he said, no, uh, that is not the case. None of them contain anything. So, so I felt like that was sort of a missed opportunity. And even he told me, you know, that's, that's probably a good suggestion. Maybe I'll revisit that in an update or a future game or something. So, you know, uh, one of the, very positive things about this is that SN Studios, the developer, has been super responsive. Like if I've ever had a question, I just reach out on Twitter and I receive a response in less than 24 hours, often less than an hour. He'll get back to oh, me cool. and uh, it just super, super friendly, open to uh, uh, discussion and critique about not only his game, but, you know, talking about other games too. But uh, anyway, so I wanted to put that out there and thank SN Studios for being so receptive. But back to the pots. While I did feel like that was a missed opportunity to have some sort of gaming element within those pots, I did find a very uh, useful uh, uh, practice for the pots. And that was in the dungeons. So we talked about how the Lush's Land, this game that we're talking about, is like Tochi on steroids. Everything is much larger scope, larger overworld, larger dungeons, and a lot to keep track of. Like there's no map really. Like there's there's kind of a map if you pause the game, but it doesn't map things out very well. I'm probably not saying that very clearly. Anyway, lots of screens to keep in your mind. So much that I could not keep track of all the places that I'd been in the dungeons or the overworlds. But when I started exploring dungeons, one thing I found really useful is to use those pots as sort of a reverse breadcrumb trail. Like I said, pots are everywhere. So if I started you know, going into a branch in the dungeons and I went over to the right-hand side, well, then I'd smash all the pots over there to remind myself, okay, this is a path you've been before. And then that other side still has pots on it. So I know that I have not explored that yet. So then I started feeling like, oh, okay, even if the pots don't have anything in them, I feel like that's a really useful point of the pots. Did you guys start using them that way? Or did you just sort of like, did they become white noise to you after a while after they weren't yielding anything? It's a great point though. What you mentioned is a great point. Nick and I got into an argument about the same thing on gaming on 10, our old podcast Hmm. on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, because I would light torches in the dungeons or whatever like they, they they don't do anything, but you could light torches as a breadcrumb. And I remember Nick didn't like it or had some <laughs> quibble about it. I never like anything. And he doesn't like anything. Um, no. As we established so, last, I think episode, it's a good point, but... though, Ryan. <laughs> I I went through every screen that I visited. I smashed all the breakable objects, and that way I was able to keep track of which screens I had already visited. Uh, that really only applied within dungeons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I came up with a different strategy later on Mm. um, where I stopped really caring about almost anything except for um, movable or unlockable walls. Um, Mm. And that served me well through the uh, 
I think there's three main dungeons and the last two of them. That's how I went through them. So the first one, I just kind of went ham and destroyed all the uh, <laughs> all the pots that I could possibly find. Um, but then after that, I was a little more uh, circumspect in which ones I destroyed. Cool. On the subject of dungeons, uh, I want to tip my hat to SN Studios for a new uh, hindrance in the dungeons that I have not seen in the Tochi series before. There are these little like fire spouts that come up every once in a while, and they're timed so like it stops you from moving mm-hmm. forward for a couple seconds, and then they the fire dies down, and you can move across them, and then that repeats. Uh, I thought the visuals of that were so fantastic. I, it really tickled me uh, to see this like different sort of hindrance. I've seen a lot of spikes, you know, going up and then down, but this like dancing flame that came up every once in a while, it just made me really happy to see this like minimalist pulp aesthetic, like again, really sort of being pushed in terms of, uh, slightly visuals, but more like, you know, animations and what can be done with it. I, I really enjoyed that. So good job, SN Studios. Um, I those are spikes, but yeah, I can see uh, the flame now. That you mentioned. Yeah. 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 They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're moving around. I, I thought. Yeah. But um, yeah. one thing I would have, if it were possible, and maybe it's not, uh, would be to put them on different timers because the, the way they were utilized every time was basically a, a wall that was pretty close to where you entered a room or where you needed to be. And so there was a lot of waiting around for those to stop burning. Yeah. They're just gates. There, there was one part where there were several quote unquote walls set up across a room. And I actually found it kind of fun to like wait for them all to die down. And then hightail it across the room and see how many walls I could get past before. And I I think I managed to hit three or all of them. I think there are four. Anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of fun. I think mostly my frustration with those had to do with uh, the the time that I had to play the game, which was compressed. Uh It's nice having a health bar too, too, you know, as well. So if you hit one, it's not the the game. Barrel through them and be okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I did. So when I started the game, I, I guess, quote, went the wrong direction and I went to a village <laughs> and like everybody I, I talked to in the village did, said right? the same thing. Every sign said the same thing. Every house had nothing yeah. like in it. And then I was like, what is going on here? And basically I got lost right yeah. away. We all kind of got lost right away. Ryan figured out the right way to go. And this was sort of just a lack of direction from the from the onset we all wanted to explore and like a lot of games you start by going backwards to just see what's behind the starting point and i think that was maybe the mistake um maybe the dev didn't expect players to do that but once we knew where to go it made a lot more sense but it was a bit of a bummer to have like kind of nothing going on in town and then being immediately lost so my first my first half hour i didn't do anything totally and just to bounce off a couple of those things that you said don i want to bring those two things together you said that uh the npcs were not very helpful 
and you went the wrong way. And I think something that could be helped here is, well, first of all, hey, SN Studios, every single one of us, Nick, Don, and I, completely separate from one another, we all went right. And if you go right, (laughs) that's the wrong way to go. We had to go up (laughs) to find that first dungeon. And uh, so that should tell you something that I think players will naturally go right. So it's not to say that your dungeon has to be there, but bouncing off of something that Don said, I too feel that the the NPCs had largely unhelpful dialogue. It was like, you're new here, aren't you? Followed by, you look very new, and so on. It was a lot of that. Uh, But if they could say something like, I've heard about a location in the West where great powers await or, or something to that effect. It would sort of alert the player. Oh, Hey, you should go back left. You should go back West and explore that some more because uh, obviously you missed something. Whereas we were just like looking around the town. Then we went up and then like the North, missed yeah. that portion <laughs> where the first dungeon was. And it felt like we had to get there but we had no idea what we were supposed to find. So, uh, so maybe using um, those NPCs in a little more directed, helpful way. If, if I can... Nick, were you going to say something? That and then just... Yeah. yeah. Can I talk about uh, my experience? So Please. Um, I fired up the game. Uh, it, it has been uh, an even more uh, busy time for me this past couple weeks than... <laughs> than it has been recently and it's been very busy all the time but anyway so i had a limited time to play and i was like all right i'm gonna dive into this game i'm excited it's like a zelda style ish game um excited to explore and see what's going on so fired it up went barrel and right uh there's a sign totally unreadable i'm like fine i can ignore whatever's not in the path that i'm going because that's unreadable and then went all the way explored the entire overworld, uh, talked to every NPC, went in every building possible, lit every campfire. Almost. I was like, I am really <laughs> exploring this entire place, except for the yep. one screen that was mm-hmm. right above that unreadable mm-hmm. sign. And there's there's another one or two unreadable signs. So my suggestion, even if you don't throw an NPC there, like, hey, dummy, go that way. Um, just change that sign and make it readable. Um, and perhaps the hint there is that because it's unreadable, maybe I don't remember now, but maybe there's an unreadable sign near each dungeon. Um, but, but really having some, uh, Hey Nick, uh, you're obviously not smart enough to realize that I want you to go this way, go this way. Um, you know, just make it really blindingly obvious, especially if you have a choice between the direction of right, which is, traditionally in you know like from super mario brothers on you know pitfall on that's the direction that most of the time people want to go in some kind of side scrolling or top down situation is exploring that way so i i felt like i was uh punished really badly for that and then i found my way into the second dungeon but i was completely blocked in progress there because I didn't have an item from the first dungeon mm. and then my playdate crashed yeah. and I lost all of my progress and uh, that that made me pretty unhappy and so 
I set it down and I told Don and Ryan, you know, unfortunately, that's it for me. Um, I, I don't started have time flipping to tables. <laughs> go back. No, I, I just felt really bad because I, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to give it the time that it deserved in order to, you know, really talk about it here. But instead, uh, I scrounged together some some more time and. I tried to do like a, a Nick style speed run through through games and listeners to our previous Don and I's previous podcast know that uh, I, I would barrel through games sometimes just to just to get through them. So I kind of applied that uh, method here in the Lush's land, went uh, the other direction instead of to the right and uh, went through that first dungeon. And then I was able to just kind of barrel through the rest of the game uh, because I'd already explored the entire overworld. Wow. So I was familiar with where to go. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, some kind of direction there would be very helpful. And then the other suggestion that I would have, uh, reduce the screen shake. Um, there, if you press the B button, at the beginning of the game, it asks you if you want inverted um, uh, graphics or uh, regular graphics. And uh, I thought that was really cool, you know, have that accessibility option right up front. Um, mm-hmm. But then every time you press B, even if you did it accidentally, it would swap between inverted and non. And uh, that happened to me an embarrassing number of times. And, you know, sometimes it was fine. Sometimes it was confusing. So... Yeah, that did seem to be sort of an oddly accessible place for screen inversion, didn't it? Usually A and B buttons yeah. are reserved for action. And so maybe yes. that could be nestled in a, a, a menu so option the confusion, or something. The confusion occurred after I started acquiring items. And all the items, I think, mm-hmm. are usable just by walking into stuff. Yep. Um, so so aside, aside from, from sword. your sword, which yep. uses an action... Um, you know, you're just walking into stuff and it's not always clear. Uh, so that brings another suggestion or, or potential problem. And, and that would be performance. So I, I know there are limitations with pulp. I know there are limitations with the play date just in general. Um, but the performance of this game in particular was, was very, uh, uh, <laughs> variable. So it would be going at a normal speed and then you would perform some kind of action like uh, um, poking an enemy with a sword and then the screen shake would start, but that screen shake animation would slow the whole thing down. So on top of the screen shake animation playing and taking a long time, there was also the fact that it slowed the processing down of the entire game during the duration of that screen shake animation and maybe a little afterwards. And so Mm -hmm. then the game played catch up and everything sped up after the animation concluded. Um, and that that made it feel um, kind of weird to play sometimes. Um, so, yeah, and, and I, I don't, don't know, know where if the limitation... that's a limitation of pulp? How, how it's being used, I'm sorry, go perhaps. ahead, Nick. You know, it's, it's, it's something to do with how it was made, and... I don't have enough information to know, you know, why that happened, but, but I would consider that, you know, another, um, critique would be, you know, if it's possible to iron out that performance problem. And I don't know if it is, um, 
then I would I would see if that was possible uh, because it did lead to some uh, unfair damage in some circumstances. Like enemies would uh, basically warp speed right at me, <laughs> um, <laughs> or I would move to another screen and you know the game was still trying to play catch up, and I would wind up on top of an obstacle that hurt me. Um, the placement of a lot of that stuff was such that it kind of naturally prevented those kind of situations. So I have a feeling that, you know, this was definitely something that was considered, but um, it, uh, it it was still jarring when it occurred. And it occurred frequently on many screens, um, just depending on what you were tasked with doing. Um and yeah. then for me, I it guess... didn't happen so. Yeah. I was going to say, for me, it didn't happen so much in terms of warp speed enemies, but I heard it a lot. Like in the music, the music would sort of lag yeah. and then catch up again. So there was. I, do you think that this might be a limitation of pulp in the fact that this world that was created was so much bigger than before. Like there's a ton of screens in this game. And I wonder, like I'm, I'm not a programmer, so you riddle me this, Nick is the fact that there are so many screens in this game, potentially slowing it down. Yeah. So, um, I've, I only have the barest of knowledge about pulp. Um, so the way that I think it works, yes, the, the, the bigger the world, the more screens, and depending on how you use them, um, would make it so that uh, there would be inherent performance problems the larger you scale. And this, I feel, was probably pushing the bounds of how big you'd want to go with a persistent mm-hmm. world like that. Yeah, um, I'm very curious, like... Uh, Reach the Ocean has a ton of different screens and a ton of different ways uh, that things interact in the game. Um, and that is also Pulp. Um, and I'm very curious. I still have not tried Soothsayer yet, but that is even more ambitious. And I'm curious to see if there are some kind of performance problems or other issues related to the sheer amount of artwork that's in that game. Um because that would, it just depends on how it's constructed though. Like um, Lush's Land is is a little unique in that you can always go to any screen. So there's no way to kind of rid the playdate of having to know about anything that's occurred because it can occur again, if that makes sense. Um, so that's just my wild guess. Well, I appreciate your conjecture. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. We've got about 10 minutes left. Did you guys want to talk some of your spoiler stuff? Is it a good time to do that? Yeah, I, I think we've been spoiling this for the past half an hour or so. Oh, are, are um, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if there was yeah. story beats or something. I don't know. No, there. I, I did want to touch on another couple things, though. One is this is a new, in the Tochi series, uh, ability to continue in a game. I don't know if you remember from the first Tochi Don, but you had to complete it all in one run. Yeah, I do remember uh, This one, you are able to pick up at a campfire if you die, 
and your existing abilities that you've attained stay with you. So that was really interesting, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the addition of a pause screen. However, I had uh, another petty gripe about the pause screen. So the pause screen, if you get into it, it only allows you to unpause at a campfire. Now there's like, I don't know, let's say a hundred overworld screens and you can only reappear mm-hmm. on three of them where the campfires are four, if you get it's- to the, the other one. But if I paused on, I don't know, somewhere in town that was not a campfire, I cannot just unpause and resume my game right there. Um, so I thought that was a little odd and the pause screen was labeled in a way that I felt was a little bit ambiguous. Like I thought, oh, okay, well I can unpause and just resume exactly where I was. Uh, but the options were like campfire. No, I don't want to go to a campfire or, uh, reverse the image or see the credits or quit. And so I thought, oh, okay, I guess I'll quit out of this screen and go back to where I was. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I learned that the hard way. Quit means I am done with this game and I am starting completely over. And I, it felt like I had gone through about half the game at that point and I had to start completely from scratch. So uh, I don't know if there could be a way to resume play in the screen that you were in rather than completely quitting or going to some campfire. Uh, I think that would be I th- helpful. I thought um, if you just hit the menu maybe, button maybe again, relabeling would, those a little bit. I, th- I thought if you just hit the menu button again, it would do that. Maybe not. I do not know. I can give that a try. The menu button just brings up the, the regular, the regular menu options, home volume, whatever. Oh, okay. Well, I just mind. I just did it because I <laughs> thought he meant like I thought you meant that brought up some kind of pause screen, but it doesn't. Yeah. My, anyway. Do you guys know what coins do? I kept getting those randomly. Yeah, I, something I ended the game with like five or six of them, but I I don't know I don't know if I completed the game the way that it was intended to be completed. The ending um, made it sound like I missed something big. Okay, so I have an update so, about that too. <laughs> okay, so great. first of all, I, I want to address Don's comment because it was an identical thought that I had. I, I do not know how I accrued coins and I do not know what they are for. Uh, I, I did not ask that question, but I'm sure uh, SN Studios would get back to me very quickly if I did. So I might do that a little bit later. Um, but to address your comment, Nick, you felt like the end game screen made you feel as though you missed something. There is a line that says something about uh, too bad there's more to do or something like that. Um, And I asked the dev about that today and said, Hey, did we miss anything? I got the three gems. I got the four weapons. uh, Like, am I missing something? And he said, no, that line was just meant to say, um, there's going to be more Tochi essentially, or more luscious land or whatever, you know, in the, in the Tochi verse. So there's uh, more games to come. Um, okay. So 
I guess my, like, I know we're sort of coming to the end of the show here. My overall umbrella critique, despite having fun with this game and enjoying the sort of maze finding aspects of the dungeon and exploring this really ambitious overworld would be to bake in like a few weeks or a month where before releasing the game, you just give this to a few play testers say, Hey, what do you think? And I feel like a lot of these sort of awkward moments and petty gripes that we're having could be massaged over, uh, Oh, I'd definitely. be happy to be, yeah. be a play tester. I'm sure there'd be a bunch of folks happy to be play testing. Um, so I, I understand as an artist, as a creator, like you make something and you're excited about it and you want to get it out there. But like if there could just be a little more time before the actual release to massage away some of these rough corners, uh, man, I think this game would really sing. And maybe that could be something for tochi four or tochi three or whatever we're calling the next game yeah that's a lot going for it if it just if it filled out those little gaps yeah for sure yeah yeah play testing is so so important in any game um it doesn't matter the medium so play testing or focus groups of some kind um Mm -hmm. because you as the developer know exactly how to play the game, how it's constructed. Even if you try to play it the way you think a new player (laughs) will play it, you will not. Um, Guaranteed, they will find new ways and novel ways to break it and uh, totally ignore that first dungeon and just go off to the right. <laughs> so, and it, you um, know, if, if one person is experiencing that, then, you know, you don't have to change the whole thing, but if three people independently of each other are saying the same thing and getting that same yeah. frustrating experience, feedback. you know, yeah. that's, that's really important feedback. Uh, so anyway, well, yeah. And the other thing is uh, if three people are experiencing crashes that uh, erase all progress, that's a that's a pretty important thing. Like th- when I played it the way it was intended to be played, I didn't have any trouble. But when I oh. sequence broke it accidentally, it was totally, you know, ha- had that issue. So um, those are things that could be found through playtesting, through focus groups, or um, just by you know s- standing over someone and watching them play. Um, however you address it, uh, it's just such such an important part mm-hmm. of the game creation process. Um, it's important to, to, to have your artistic vision, like Ryan's saying, it's important to uh, have your design, but it's also important to um, have that feedback from, from a player base. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here nodding emphatically. And <laughs> again, I've, I've been a Tochi fan from the start. I am an OG Tochi player. And I want more. Uh, and if there's a way that I might help to smooth out some rough edges for you, please contact me in the future. I'm happy to help. All right. I think that'll wrap it up. I think we're all Tochi talked out. Uh, Lush's land um, talked out. Thanks, Maybe thanks for making such a cool game and, and for showing you know just how far the pulp engine can be pushed. I thought that was really cool so uh i don't i don't mean to only critique um thanks thanks for making this game 
Indeed. Yeah. I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a bigger pulp game than this. This was this is quite ambitious. And uh yeah, lot, lots of fun fun maze finding through here. So looking forward to the next. So I think Don might be taking us out here. Don, is that what's happening? Sure, yeah. Uh, check us out, playdatepodcast.com. Hop in the Discord and say hi, and we will catch you in a couple weeks.